1: Up, everyone. Welcome back for a new edition of Ladies' Night with a returning favorite, Daniela Melchior. I can't believe how much you've done since the last time you've been on this show. Oh my god, me too. (laughs) Feels unreal. You're part of, I mean, so many of the biggest film franchises, not just of like modern times, like of all time. (laughs) It's crazy to think. (laughs) It is wild. It is well deserved. I have a feeling you remember the dice tower behind me. This is where we start. I've got Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of new questions for you. You get three rolls and whatever I roll for you, that is where our interview begins. Okay. All right. First one up. We are kicking this off with a number four. Oh, this is one of my favorite new questions. This is zombie apocalypse. So I'm gonna create a scene for you. You are filming on the set of Fast 10. All of a sudden, there's a zombie outbreak. You can pick two Fast 10 co-stars to team up with to give yourself the best chance of surviving. Who do you pick and why? I would say, I'm sorry, Vin.
2: I'm sorry, Don. I would say um, Jason Statham um, character and
1: Natalie Emmanuel character as well. Yeah, because they they're ready to you know. There's a great balance there too between like him being able to physically take care of himself and her being so incredibly smart and tech savvy. Yeah. I have to imagine that comes in handy.
2: Yeah, I and I feel I feel they both have. Natalie, she's a girl like me, but they both have like the muscles and
1: the brains. Oh, without a doubt. I have to follow up now. So, you being part of that team, I want your greatest asset to surviving a zombie outbreak, but then I also want your greatest weakness, the thing that we'll wind up doing all three of you in.
2: Hmm. Huh. I would say, I would say she's very. Mm, focused and ready to roll but at the same time if someone said something that she doesn't like she would waste
1: a lot of time just arguing about it <laughs> i think all right we're up to your second roll in the tower I will go with the 5 now. Oh, this is a good uh acting question. We're calling this one favorite least favorite. I want your absolute favorite part of the acting process. Seeing the set for the first time, rehearsing, you name it. But then I also want not necessarily your least favorite, but the part of the process where you see room to grow for yourself or try something new.
2: Okay, I would see I would say my favorite thing. Hmm. I think it's the moment that I'm on set and I'm just living in a moment with my colleagues and the director and everyone because we're finding things, new things. Um, and my least favorite, I would say, the time that I'm waiting on my trailer. I know that I'm being paid to wait, <laughs> um, but yeah. But sometimes because I don't know how much time do I need to wait, it's like okay, but can I go to my computer and go through my emails? Can I? like read scripts can I and because I'm always like ready to go because I don't like people to wait for me uh sometimes it's just like a waste of time that I'm just listening to music or meditating because yeah I can start something that then I'll have to stop
1: as someone who is go 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 all the time I very much understand that mentality (laughs) Uh all right you got one more roll in the tower all right, we are closing this out with a number three. Oh, you got my silly one to end on here. This is a would-you-rather question. Okay. Would you rather have to fake sneeze or fake vomit in a scene? Uh, <sighs> fake sneeze.
2: <laughs> wow! I would rather fake sneeze because a sneeze is just a sneeze,
1: you know, and vomit is Freaky. I have heard quite a few fake sneezes on this show. That that skyrockets really? to the top of the list. <laughs> I am impressed. Wow. So we are going because we did a ladies night when Suicide Squad was coming out. So we're basically going to pick up where we left off. Actually, this kind of could go back a little further. But now that you've done Suicide Squad and so many other films, I'm curious about your answer to this question. When you first decided you wanted to become an actor, what did you think was step one to becoming a professional actor? And now having done it and done it so exceptionally well, would you recommend that first step to somebody else who's trying to get into the business? Hmm. So when I, when I started studying drama,
2: I thought that because in Portugal, the industry is really different. I thought the way to get into a, to acting at least professionally was to get a modeling agency that would have the acting department. And then I would get, uh, an agent in acting. Nowadays, I would say, if you, if you like to try that as a like an experience, do it, but you don't need that. <laughs> you can go straight to the acting department. Um, and my advice is really like, don't trust just your talent. I've been meeting a lot of people, nice people, and they because they don't know how things are, they they just tell me like, can you introduce me to someone? And once they see my talent, they, they will find me and I will go from there. And it's like, it's not about that. <laughs> you need to like respect the art and... You know, like work on your craft. So my advice would be go to the zero, like, you know, to the start point and do everything because it's not about getting to places. It's also about the process. So uh, my advice is really like there's a lot of fun to, to have during that process.
1: I'll follow up on that with this question. So when you were first getting into the business, is there any, I don't know, a person you met, a class you took, you name it, that going into it made you think like, this is not going to be worth my time. Why am I even doing this? And you gained something really valuable from it that you still use to this day.
2: Hmm. I would say uh, my first ever workshop when I was really, really young, even before starting the, the drama course, um, I had a casting workshop. It was a workshop about casting. I was just excited, excited because it was an actor do, uh, giving that workshop in Portugal. Um, a few years be, uh, later, I was like, why did I do that? But then I realized that I took a lot of good things about it. And one of the things that I know, that I realized that actors, some actors and some people don't have, is uh, the perspective of what's a casting, what's an audition, and what can I do to to book the role. And I also, I read a book called, I think it was uh, Audition. It's a it's a book called Audition that is it's and when I read that book I realized oh yeah I took I, I knew this from that workshop that I did that it's like sometimes it's not about us as an actors it's just about what I bring to the table for this character is it what they're looking for or not and and then a lot of like small details and advices like don't go with a lot of necklaces don't go full of because people sometimes they they want to give it all you know oh i want i i'll take my coolest shirt and everything but then it's like we don't want to see what's your favorite band or what's your favorite movie on the, on the shirt if you want to know we'll ask <laughs> you know
1: so I'll cheat at my Dice Tower game, because this is a question that I ask every once in a while on Dicey Questions. Given your focus on auditions right now, can you give me one audition high, but then also one audition low? And tell me what you learned from that low that you were able to f- apply to future auditions.
2: Hmm. Um, so one audition, I, I can't remember a specific one, but I would say that. I always uh, prepare myself for the scenes, leaving and even working, not only for auditions. I always leave a percentage for whoever is directing me. So like whenever they're asking me for different stuff, I'm ready to deliver. So uh, I can't remember a specific audition. But or f- for example, actually the Suicide Squad audition, I remember that I had a, a general meeting with Peter Safran and James Gunn and they told me what they were looking for, for Red Catcher 2. Uh, but still when I was doing the scenes, James was always giving me notes and asking me, so now do this this way and that way. And I loved it because I was ready and I was, I I didn't have the, I wasn't feeling the weight of like the challenge and the responsibility to book Red Catcher 2. But it was like a nice, I could have been shooting already the movie with James because it was really like just engaging and working on it. Uh, hello. I don't know. Uh, hello. Actually, I know. I was doing an audition for a soap opera in Portugal, and they were thinking they were deciding for like the next lead role and like the lead female uh, actress, and they put me and other two girls doing the audition at the same time in the same room and just rotating with each other and, uh, doing the scenes with each other. Uh, they just said like, be ready. And we were like, okay. And then it was tricky because I was doing the audition. I was like, I've been working for this TV channel for years. What's the doubt? Like they either want to work with me again or not. It's not a matter of like, just do this so we can see, you know? Uh, and between the scenes, they were like, I mean, uh, the guy that was like taping and doing, giving us the lines and everything, he was like, I mean, I think the channel already knows who they want, but we, we just needed to, to do this. And I really felt like, what am I doing here? <laughs> but I still, like, I was still professional and I did it. And I knew that I wasn't booking it and I didn't book the lead role, but I was like, fine. And I ended up doing that TV show with a small role, uh, but it was like, okay. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's the thing. You power through stuff like that. You know you gain confidence in yourself and now look at where you are. Yeah, yeah. everything <laughs> happens for a reason. Exa- I'm a big believer in that, sincerely. So jumping ahead now to Post Suicide Squad, I always love asking people about having a breakout film in Hollywood because it can feel very different from like outsiders watching it happen compared to the person who's actually experiencing the breakout. So can you give me one minute Misconception about what it means to break out in film, but then also, what is something that you really did feel changing for the better after Suicide Suicide Squad came out?
2: Hmm. Oh my God, so many things changed in my life in general, but I would say the freedom of um, saying no and saying yes. I I start as an actor. I started having even more that feeling of I'm not, I love what I do, but I won't do it just because. So I started even curating even more the roles that I, that I was going to say yes to. Uh, And for me as, as an artist, that was, that is like the best feeling. Um, But then a misconception, I think the glamour of it. And also people, people really think like, oh, now that you're there doing that and with, all those people, you should be living your dream, you should be so happy. And actually, I've been working on myself a lot and doing therapy, doing a lot of alternative healing stuff. And uh, I've been through like a spiritual journey. And I've been realizing that that's not the answer at all. And I think there's a quote, I can't remember who said that, that I think it was Jim Carrey. he said that, I wish everyone could have the experience of being rich and famous and something else or I don't know,
1: so they could see that that's not the answer. It's such a brilliant quote. I love that. Going back to what you were saying at the beginning of that answer in terms of uh, being able to say no to things, I I did really want to ask you about this as well. Just what your priorities and what your guidelines were for yourself after Suicide Squad when you have all these great opportunities coming your way in order to be able to best determine, you know. What is best for your career in the industry, but also what's best for you in terms of your your creative goals as you want to grow as an actor going forward.
2: Um. I would say, I would say that uh, whenever the script, I I if I stop too many times, it's like mm, it, I'm not engaging. If I can't stop reading it, it's like yeah, I can wait to start this, flying to the location and just start working. Um, but also I'm not like a snob or I don't try to be like a snob, like, oh, like from now on, I'm only doing this with these people and everything. Um, But uh, at at the same time, (laughs) I'm thinking uh, um, at the same time that I'm answering, at the same time, I don't have any ambitions of like, oh, I want to work with this director and I'm targeting that actor and that actress and everything. I just go with the flow and whatever comes to the table, I just go with my gut and I have uh, the most amazing team with me. And they're very, since the beginning, since they started working with me, they, we were on the same page. So they're the best ones to advise me as well. We're, We're not here like just for the money or to get to a specific place or to get a specific award. It's just, yeah, enjoying the process.
1: Having a good team around you is of the utmost importance and I feel like we don't emphasize that nearly enough. I want you to go with the flow. I want you to do whatever makes you happy. Can I put in one request though? Yeah. I would like you to do a horror movie.
2: Oh, I've been reading about it, actually. But some you you know that I'll be honest. Sometimes I read scripts and they're so uh how can I say I don't know because I, but actually, maybe it's because I don't watch a lot of horror movies. Since I was a child, I was very afraid of like knives and everything and blood, and I don't know. There's something like it makes me, I don't know, um, troubled. I don't know. I don't know. I get um, it. I get it. So maybe because I'm not in love with that genre. Maybe that's one of the reasons that I never like engaged a lot with the, with the script. Uh, but also, I've been feeling that for me, because I'm not familiar with the genre, it's difficult to to read the script and to know if it's. I, I should I should watch many movies and then be familiar, and then read the scripts and having my gut
1: feeling more evolved for that. <laughs> when you're ready for it, I'll give you a mile long list of great horror movies to watch and great horror directors to work with. Yes, 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 yes. But actually right. w- when I when I watched um
2: the Suicide Squad and Redcatcher uh running from sterile uh like inside the the lab and everything I was like, "Oh man, this could be an, an
1: horror movie." So I know I know what the fans have been saying. <laughs> it very very much it's got monster movie qualities. It makes all the sense in the yeah. world. <laughs> plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, let's get into one of your recent releases. We'll do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 first. I was curious about that one. At what point did James pitch that role to you? And actually, was it always that particular role, or did you two ever discuss playing one of the other characters in the film?
2: No, no, no. He sent me a message. I don't know how much time before shooting, but I would say, like, months. I'm sorry, months or something. Um, he sent me a message saying that my um, someone from his team or something would uh, uh, approach my team uh, because you wrote a character for me. So there wasn't a discussion about other roles because it was that one. Um, and he told me just like it's a sequence that you'll be uh, kidnapped by Gamora and Quill. And you'll fight or something. And I and I was thinking physical fight, but no. But I then I <laughs> realized it would be like more verbal. Um, and I was very excited. I, I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to meet them. I'm such a fan.
1: <laughs> this might be more of a James question, but given he wrote the role for you, did he ever tell you any specific qualities of the characters that he thought you could bring the most out of?
2: No, nothing at all. I just read and I didn't even have access to the script. So the only thing that I had were the sides. And I was like, okay, so she's this kind of secretary. This is a lab with weird people where they make changes to weird creatures. What can I do with this? And then when I got there on set, I wasn't planning at all on doing like uh, a weird creature at all, like with weird reactions and everything. But once I saw everyone with all the prosthetics and everything, I was like, yeah, this is what makes sense. And also when when I saw the, the clothes and the the hairstyle and everything, I was like, okay, it makes sense for her to be like very straight, you know, and very ladylike, I don't yes. know, but not in a fe- super feminine way, on a weird way. So yeah, that those robotic... Thing, uh, things. I just put it there.
1: <laughs> spot spot on. When it when it comes to the makeup process required for a character like that, what what part of that process surprised you the most? My
2: God, I would say the quantity of paint that I had to put on my skin. Yeah, I ended up having a, an allergy reaction uh, on the first time on the first day, but then I had a few days between um my next day of shooting so i got better and yeah oh wow (laughs) but i was very
1: surprised (laughs) that's that's a lot and do you have to put those gigantic contacts in as well
2: Yeah. So basically I was wearing two pairs of contacts
1: because I wear glasses. So I had to put my personal ones and the yellow ones on top. (laughs) I have a burning question about this. So you put your own contact lenses in like yourself with your own hands, the contacts for the movie. Did another person have to put them in for you? And does that freak you out for someone else to put a lens in your eye? (laughs)
2: No, 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 no because I was I'm used to whenever I go to the like the place that I buy my own lenses, sometimes they're like, "Oh, but you should have like a day to try these because this brand is new and everything." So, and they want to make sure that they put them, so I'm used to for people to to I don't know, to touch <laughs> my eyes. Um, but for that it was interesting. They had a like a base, basically a department just for the lenses and i had a i had i think two or three lovely ladies uh whenever we stopped they would come and put me eye drops and everything because yeah, it was tricky.
1: And we had a lot of AC on set and everything. That is incredible. All right, getting getting into Uda's backstory. I don't know how much you actually thought this through, but I'm a big nerd for character backstory. So, so first, did you ever kind of work through the details on your own in terms of you know how she wound up becoming an Orgo Corp employee and and what drove her to want to work for that company if she even wanted to.
2: Actually, I didn't think about. I I I thought about that, but I didn't made uh, didn't make a a huge backstory because I really thought that she was an outsider and I really didn't have that much content within you know or brains at all. So I really thought like she doesn't know what she's doing there. She just shows up and does her work, and I don't even know what she would do when she would go back home. You know, she would be. I would say that she would be. I don't believe that there there are people like that. But if she went home, if James Gunn uh, followed Uda, uh after work, she would just go to her home, sit, then make dinner, have dinner because everyone has dinner, and then sit again, w- looking to a wall, and then go to bed. Oh, no. <laughs> I was thinking about her like that. I don't. I don't know why. <laughs> That's why we, even when Quill is like. Uh, try, uh, trying to show his love and everything, and like for Ura to feel emotional, I was really thinking, as Ura, like, what the hell is he saying? I don't. It it was really something. Everyone is writing that um, Ura fell in love with him, but in my head, as Ura, I was really like, what should I feel about this? What humans
1: would feel about this? <laughs> because she wasn't sure at all. So yeah. Do you think that she's processing the end the same way where after all of that, he was still kind of, you know, messing around with her in the end where she's just like, why would he do that rather than it hurt my feelings that I fell for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: and we actually, we, we had a, the continuation of that scene because we didn't cut it at that time. So he was like, he said to Gamora, uh, I knew she was into me or something and James didn't cut. And I had a reaction like, I, I couldn't remember, but it was like, he, he looked at me and I was like, I, it was really something like, I didn't like him. So yeah, fans are saying that I fell in love, that I fell in love with Quill, but at least When I shot it, I didn't.
1: This is my favorite thing in the world when you have a character who only has a small part in a movie, but they inspire you to want to fill in her whole story and just like her whole mind frame as she dealt with that situation. Uh Yeah, it's the best. I just let them talk. (laughs) All right. From one gigantic franchise to the next, uh, Fast Ten I guess I'll stick with the idea of character backstory briefly here. Again, I do not know if you worked all of this out, but did you ever consider what might have put Isabel and Elena on such different paths in life, especially where they reacted to things differently?
2: I think as in real life, many, many people have the same parents. They went to the same schools. They they had the same experiences or not. And they end up becoming different people, and they have uh, different paths and journeys and everything. So with Elena was that, and even I, I, really think for her backstory, for um, for Isabel's backstory, it was also it could have been. Elena went to the like police school and everything. And from that, she would be like, oh, "Okay, yeah, I, I know she's the perfect she's the perfect daughter," and then it it would go down uh, from there, you know. It could have been a lot of stuff, but my way of thinking and living my character was really that, like I was living on her shadow, even though she she was always all the time with me, and she was very selfless and always worried about family and everything. So I didn't hate her, but I I was jealous
1: in a way like very very deep down. to build on that a little i love asking this question to better understand uh especially new characters in a franchise like this when we meet her in fast 10 what do you think she thinks her greatest strength is and also what do you think she thinks her greatest weakness is
2: hmm. her greatest strength um uh, i would say just getting things done and just showing up and doing things I was really we don't see how well Isabel knows Dante but in my head because he was like the biggest boss over there I was really thinking that she could have been working for Dante at least on like I don't know drug smuggling and all those like small things I would I would think that she works at a um, car shop you know besides uh, uh racing but in her free time, she would go, she would do a lot of like wrong things, even for Dante or just to survive. So her strength would be just showing up and getting things done. Uh, her biggest weakness, she would, uh, she would think uh, the, the like the guilt part of uh, being Elena's uh, sister and having and not being able to save her even though it wasn't her fault
1: at all. Oh I understand that. That's heartbreaking. I want to get into the production process of making a Fast 10 uh, Fast and Furious movie but first one more character question and I know nothing's been announced for the future. We do not know how if you'll return as this character but assuming there is an opportunity to continue her story is there any particular quality of hers that you didn't get the chance to tap into in Fast 10 that you would be most eager to explore in a future film
2: i would say i remember talking with vin and um uh like uh, exchanging messages about isabel because like he was shooting already i was i wasn't shooting it uh, yet but i really wanted to understand what could i could i bring to the table to play isabel so i was asking him a, a lot of questions um he showed me a lot of uh, videos of Dom and, and Elena with music and everything. And from that, I started thinking about things that I could suggest or ask him if it was that way or another. And I remember comparing my character to Luther, the the show with Adrian Zelva. And I was like, because Luther just engages with people and meets people and brings people to his life and he ends up sorry for the word, I won't say the bad word, but messing it up, you know, and having people being killed. Uh, and for me, I was really like, I wonder if if the story was focused on Isabel, if that was her story. Like, I could imagine uh, if her parents are already gone, if it was because she did something and Dante just had them killed, if that happened with Isabel, and if... Um, now that I was meeting Dom, if I was afraid of like being too deep with him because something would happen to him, not knowing that he's the boss of everything as well, you know, and very strong. So uh, if there's a future for Isabel, I would love to explore in that way. Like I I was thinking my, my, the quote that I told him was like, I could imagine Isabel feeling like a burden uh, to everyone around her. And that's why she didn't have, she didn't want to have connections with anyone and feeling that everything that she touches would rotten. Oh no. <gasps> yeah. So I was feeling, I was like, um, uh, thinking about in such a dark mode for Isabel, I don't know why. What a
1: crushing headspace. Now, now I need some sort of spin off movie so I could see her start there, but like build that self-confidence and, and, and kind of like crawl out of that headspace. space Uh (laughs) my heart. Um, I will squeeze in one, I wanted one movie magic question in a sense, uh, behind the scenes reality of what it takes to make a Fast and Furious movie, in particular the driving scenes where it's just you in the car and the camera like looking at you, um, I'm assuming you are not actually driving. Is there any particular new technique that you've picked up on by having to shoot a scene like that? (laughs) Uh, I would say grabbing the wheel because (laughs) I remember Louis saying like,
2: oh, you should move a little bit the wheel. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started doing this (laughs) and focusing on my, on my face and expressions. And it would be like, no, because like, I mean, if you're doing this, the car will do this, you know? So I was like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) And I felt like a kid just like acting for the first time because I never, I never, uh, shot a, a driving scene with a blue screen. I was just used to, like, dra- uh, drive in the middle of Lisbon with a camera on the car, and I would be just driving, you know. But this time, it would be tricky. Uh, it was, like, more tricky.
1: I think about that all the time with driving <laughs> scenes. Every once in a while, I'll ask another would-you-rather question. It's, you know, like, seemingly silly everyday things that are difficult to replicate on camera. Like what, Like, would you rather have to fake drive in a scene or... Or fake wake up in a scene, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I would rather fake wake up in a scene. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will wrap this up with one future question because it does not surprise me one bit that you have a very exciting project coming up specifically Roadhouse and I wanted to focus on that because you have an absolutely exceptional ensemble around you in that film so wait actually before I even ask this have you shot that already that has been shot yeah 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 Okay. so having having filmed that movie is there any particular person in that ensemble that you walked into working with and had certain expectations and they just like blew Blew you away? We're above and beyond anything you could have imagined as a scene partner.
2: I would say, oh, I love to work with Billy Magnuson. I don't know if it's this is the right way to say his last name. Sorry, Billy. I love you. I miss you. I think you got it. (laughs) Um, But he was amazing, and I could really feel his. uh, How can I say, like feisty energy, but in a good way, you know. He's he's amazing and he's such a good actor and he's so funny. I love to work with him. And and I and I was also surprised by Connor actually. It was so fun. This is his acting debut, right? Yes, yes. He was so exciting. It was so fun to see uh like a uh, fully grown man uh doing something for the first time and he he really looked like a young kid doing something for the first time. It was exciting. <laughs> yeah. And he was really jumping out of his comfort zone. It doesn't have anything to do with fighting. And he took it in such a fun
1: and humble way. It was amazing to watch. Oh, I love to hear that. You know this. I could talk to you all day long. And this is just chapter two of many chapters of Collider Ladies Night episodes in the future. We'll, we'll push pause here. And when you deliver a whole bunch of other movies, you got to come back and we'll we'll cover the next stage. Yes. I will say congratulations on Guardians 3, on Fast 10, and everything you've accomplished. And we'll talk about more in the future. Thank you, Perry. Planning
0: for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.